Welcome to the Red Pill Plus Podcast. And we're now doing News Plus Sports. There's no orange man bad, war good, uniparty mantra here. Red Pill Plus. Red Pill Plus. Sports Plus News. Done right. So thankful to have you on this, what is it, Monday evening, Tuesday morning. It's about 3.09 a.m. on a Tuesday morning here uh, at Central Time in Little Rock, Arkansas. North Little Rock to be exact. Uh, So thankful that you've joined us tonight. And um, I'm doing something a little different tonight. I I know I I say that pretty often. but I've been thinking a lot about the America First movement uh, and really some of the, I would say some of the more um, uh, things that caused the America First movement to just to really be a, a, uh, a valiant cause. And, uh, and I think before I finish tonight, I think you will at least start thinking maybe in that regard. It's, it's so much more than President Trump. It's so much more than anti-immigration because we're not anti-immigration. Uh, I have such a love uh, personally for uh, immigrants, for the down and out, for people that you know don't fit in and trying to fit in. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. We just want people, you know, we have to be a a country of laws. You, you cannot have your front door and your back door wide open uh, and just letting critters and, and people run through your house and no, neither can you your country. Um, so, but, but the America First movement is so much more than that. So, so much more. But anyway, I'm, I'm so thankful that you've joined us tonight. Uh, I titled this episode The Face of the America First movement, uh, or the the face of America First, um, and uh, I, I think when I finish tonight, uh, hopefully I'll tie this all together, and uh, I think it could it could really. Uh, I, I, l- let me say this: I, I think the America First movement in this aspect that I'm t- going to talk about tonight, I think it could be the thing if America can be reunited and become these United States of America. I really believe this uh, particular aspect. Listen, I don't think you're going to, and, and I, don't, I don't pretend to understand this, but I don't think you're going to be able to unite the country around immigration as plain and clear as that is. The very people that are saying, no, we don't need immigration policies. They have gates around their homes. They lock their doors. 
they don't let people parade in and out of their house. But when it comes to, you know, people coming over the border, they cannot separate the humanity and the, the terrible plight and, and, and the, the human trafficking and the coyotes and, uh, but, but all they see, perhaps, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's largely people just wanting to ruin the country. I really don't. I, I have to believe it comes from some place of misguided compassion and empathy is, is the only thing that I can, uh, ascertain. But I'm going to tell you what I believe, uh, is the uniting factor. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some historical and present facts that's going to blow your mind tonight. Uh, some of this you knew kind of from a distance. I knew it from a distance. Uh, but tonight, uh, I think this can be revolutionary for for us. Uh, and, you know, I, I try, I, I pray about this podcast. Sometimes it's sports, you know, it's very, sometimes it's some rant I'm on about some liberal you know, uh, knucklehead, goofball. Uh, and then sometimes it's very reflective. It's very heartfelt. It's very, well, I try to make, always make it heartfelt. But it's something I'm really feeling kind of, you know, the very depths of my being. And this tonight's one of those. Uh, and, and it makes me proud. It makes me proud to be MAGA. It makes me proud to be America first. Um and, and I want to examine actually several aspects of this particular, what I would call staple of America First or MAGA, which, you know, America, MAGA was kind of make America great again than was America First. Uh, and, and I think most people are MAGA and America First if they would just be totally honest with themselves. That's just my opinion, but... Um, nonetheless, uh, we're going to get into it tonight. We're going to be talking about the face of the America First movement. Uh, and um, But before we do that, I, I want to thank uh, Red River Auto, redriverauto.com. Please do yourself a favor. If you are in the market for a new or used car, don't buy from Carvana or one of these you know, groups that are liberal and, and owned by, you know, a lot of their stocks owned by BlackRock and all these guys. I mean, go to a patriot like uh, Red River Auto. Uh, at least call and give them a shot. They can deliver a car anywhere in the continental U.S., new or used. they got multiple types of new car dealerships. So they can get you anything that you need. Great, great people. I was talking to Doc Washburn, who's... Uh, is really the principal podcast of our podcast network, of the Doc Washburn Podcast Network. And uh, he was taking his car in for some service and getting ready to head out to a funeral in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, and was just talking about, you know, how they they made a place for him, and they, uh, even though they were booked up. So uh, Red River Auto, redriverauto.com. Also, uh, don't forget about my pillow. I'm sitting here. I uh, got on sweats and a kind of pullover type, uh, you know, zip, three-quarter zip uh, shirt. And then I've got uh, my, I'm sporting my 
MyPillow uh, slippers. And man, they are so nice. Got my feet up, got my bubbly, drinking on ice. Uh, I usually drink coffee, even this right before I go to bed or real early or real late, whichever one it is for you. Uh, but I uh, had quite a bit today, so I'm going to lay off uh, tonight. Um, so here's the thing that I think could unite America, if, if anything could, and it is the anti-war movement. I think that is, I think that is the, the issue, uh, is, is the anti-war movement. Because if you think about it, back in the uh, 60s, uh, Democrats, if you think about the hippies, think about the love movement, well, the sit-ins and all that stuff, the, all the anti-war, that was a lot of, you know, uh, I don't think kids really knew what they were probably then, to, to a large degree today, probably. But I, I would say that's probably by far and large a, um, I, I think that movement has always been, whether they knew it or not, and they probably voted in block for Democrats, but I think that movement's never been about a party. That's why I think this could unite the country when nothing else can. And probably one of the, the, the very pillars of the America First movement is uh, anti-war. Here's what's amazing. If you can remember, I'm 62, so I can, I can think back you know, easily to the, Iran, uh, the, the Afghanistan war, the Iraqi war, uh, Vietnam War, very, very little, because I was, you know, I was born in 61. It was over, wasn't 69 or 70, maybe 72. Uh, so, you know, I was probably 10, 11 years of age when it was over. Uh, so I don't remember a lot about it, if any. Uh, one one thing I do remember, and I'll close the show tonight with that. Uh, and so... But man, I, I would tell you, uh, you know, when I was 18, 19, when I first started voting, voted for Ronald Reagan's first president I ever voted for. And um, I was, you know, man, we went to, we attacked somebody. I'm all in, man. Yeah, they deserve it, you know. Well, hey, we're America. We're going in. We're going to, you know, wipe the floor with them and, you know, occupy and build bridges and, now, I'm proud of that stuff. I was like, man, that's great, you know, Yahoo. And, you know, in my 20s, 30s, uh, Bush is bombing places and other Bushes are bombing places and Clinton's bombing places and uh, Ford's bombing places and Carter, even, you know, good old Baptist uh, Sunday school teacher, Jimmy Carter, he's bombing places. Uh, usually getting bombed, but but nonetheless, uh, always like yeah, man, wave the flag, and somewhere down the line, I, and and I have to credit Donald Trump, you know Donald Trump, and Donald Trump never talked against war, but he's like why, kind of like the the old song, you know, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing, and I, I honestly think the uh, industrial military complex. The military-industrial complex, War Inc., as I like to call it, I think they're scared to death. I think they're scared to death because 
they have used war to manipulate us. They have used war to pad their own pockets. They have used war to pad the pockets. The most, this is not just hyperbole, this is fact. The most uh, prosperous, wealthiest county uh, in the nation is Northern Virginia, which is the Washington, D.C., uh, what they call Hampton Roads uh, area. My granddaughter lives up there, actually lives a little farther up now into Maryland, uh, right outside D.C., but lived in uh, Virginia Beach uh, for uh, several years. So my wife and I would go up there, travel that Hampton Road area up there, and but on north of there into just south of D.C., the wealthiest county in the, in, in the nation. Why? Because of War, Inc., because of the government and because of all the uh, graft and, you know, uh, just corruption. And, and the bedrock of that corruption and graft is War, Inc., uh, and, and, you know, that they're stealing money, that they're making money off of other people's misery and bombing people and building all this stuff uh, is, is uh, and I can't even believe this is coming out of my mouth because I used to be, and I am very pro-soldier. I'm very pro-military. It's just like I'm pro-law enforcement, but I think the FBI is the most corrupt and a lot of, a lot of police forces uh as a whole, but not individuals, is the, but the FBI is probably one of the most corrupt organizations on the face of the earth. I think they rank up there with the Russian mob, um, and and go no farther than the January six pipe bomber. You know, we're this coming out now. They they know who that guy is, and they're probably going to knock him off. I mean, if he's not already dead, uh, mark my word. That's they're going to find him uh, suicided. He's going to be Clintonized. Um, but uh, I, I don't know how, when it happened to me, it didn't happen during the Iran, Iraqi war. I can't want to say Iran. The Iraq war. It didn't happen during the Afghanistan war. Um, I, don't, I don't know when it happened to me. It's like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And and I'm very pro-soldier. I think that's what I started saying. I got sidetracked, but I'm a very pro-soldier. I, I still tear up when I I just see soldiers. I want to and I do sometimes. I walk up to them, just thank them for their service to their country. So I'm not anti-soldier. I'm not anti. I'm very pro. You know, I, I have a lot of pride for our military, uh, but I think our military should be to protect our homeland. And, and and I'm afraid, folks. I'm gonna be honest. It, uh, if if we were attacked tonight, I don't know that we could defend ourselves. One, you know, we we got people that are supposed to be running the military dressed up like, you know, uh, men dressed up like women. We're, we're the laughing stock of the world, and then then we're spread out all over the world trying to do whatever, you know, I don't think it's, we're not protecting the world, but we're, we're spread out all over the world. We're everywhere but where we need to be. And that's not to say we don't have 
a lot of capability here, but I don't think nearly like we should. Because listen, if if Taiwan falls or if the Philippines fall or somewhere else falls, uh, that's bad. But if if we fall, if somebody attacks us, if somebody became brazen enough to say, hey, maybe nobody's guarding the gate, and they did it, and they captured America, uh, it's over. And so it's just common sense. But isn't it all common sense? Closing the border, that's common sense. You know, having law and order in big cities and not letting people smash and grab everything out of CVS and Target, that's common sense. But as Will Rogers once said, common sense, not so common any longer. But I, I do think, I think that anti-war is our galvanizing message. I think anti-war is uh, the ticket. Uh, I, I want to show you something, or, or tell you something that's fascinating uh, about presidents and war. I want to go back to uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, 1933-1945. Yeah, he inherited the U.S. occupation of Haiti, uh, but he initiated U.S. involvement in World War II. Harry Truman, 1945 to 1953, now these two are Democrats. Uh, he inherited World War II from Roosevelt. Uh, he made a decision to use atomic bomb on Japan. Uh, he engaged, uh, he initiated U.S. Uh, US involvement in the Cold War against Soviet Union, uh, U.S. involvement in the Korean War, uh, war Cold War crisis, uh, Soviet occupation of northern Iran, Greek Civil War, Berlin crisis in 1948. Uh, so then let's go to Dwight D. Eisenhower. 1953, this is a Republican, first one uh, since 33. War of Dwight Eisenhower, 1953 to 1961. He inherited the Cold War, if you want to think about that. He inherited the U.S. involvement in the Korean War. But he initiated or engaged in covert U.S. actions against Guatemala and Iran, U.S. military intervention in Lebanon in 58, military intervention in Vietnam, uh, advisor sent in 1955, which was the precursor to the Vietnam War. Uh, the U.S. had 900 troops in Vietnam by the end of 1960. Uh, Taiwan, uh, Taiwan Strait Crisis, 1954, uh, Hungarian Revolution. Uh, they we joined that against the Soviets in 1956. Uh, was part of Fidel, Fidel Castro's Fidel Castro's Cuban Revolution, an alliance with the Soviets. Uh, how many dictators have we aligned with, and they found out they were our worst enemy? By the way. Then we move on to John F. Kennedy. Uh, he inherited the Cold War in 61 to 63. Uh, then he inherited the covert operations against Castro's Cuba uh, after we supported uh, Castro to begin with. Then uh, he initiated and engaged in the increase of American involvement in Vietnam and Laos. So he kind of ratcheted it up. Uh, we went from 900 troops uh, to 16,000 which wasn't a drop in the bucket, uh, but still it was a mass increase. Uh, 
Berlin Wall crisis, Bay of Pigs crisis, Cuban Missile crisis, going to wars of Lyndon B. Johnson, 63-69, uh, involvement in the Vietnam War. Uh, we went from 16,000 troops to 500,000 troops, a half a million troops. Um, so he definitely enhanced that. U.S. invasion of the Dominican Republic in 65, uh, Korean DMZ conflict, uh, U.S. Pueblo crisis, 68, North Korea attacked and captured U.S. naval ship, the Pueblo, off the Korean coast. Um, then you go to Richard, uh, the Six-Day Air War, got involved in that, U.S. support Israel, while the Soviets support Egypt. War of Richard M. Nixon, 69-74, uh, inherited the Cold War, uh, then initiated, let's see, um, inherited, yeah, Inherited uh, Cold War, American-North Korean shoot-down, uh, 73, this is all, he and the Arab-Israeli war, he inherited all that. Richard and Nixon didn't an initiate one, one war. I want you to remember that, that Richard and Nixon did not initiate any war of any kind, any conflict of any kind. Uh, Wars of Gerald R. Ford, 74 to 77, inherited Cold War, uh, U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War. Why are these guys that keep inheriting the Cold War? There's not a war going on. It's, it's anyway, it's ludicrous. Initiated final combat of the Indonesia in Vietnam War in 75 with the 10th rescue of, the, uh, of a vessel in Cambodia. Uh, Soviet-Cuban interventions. Uh, 76 acts murder at uh, Panjumam, North Korea troops, kill American soldier at Truce Village. Uh, so he, he didn't initiate a lot. He wasn't in there long enough to do much, but he did uh, intervene in Africa between Soviets and Cuba. Uh, wars of Jimmy Carter, 77 through 81, inherited the Cold War. Uh, then he got involved in the Iran hostage crisis. In, Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, Afghanistan. After the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, Carter initiated U.S. assistance to the Afghan resistance. So we got involved in that. Wars of Ronald Reagan. He, he inherited the Cold War. Uh, he engaged in the intervention of Lebanon, uh, covert war on Nicaragua, uh, Contra War, part of Cold War, uh, Salvadoran Civil War, uh, had advisors, the government of El Salvador against the communist rebels. Um, let's see, U.S. invasion of Grenada. Uh, this is Reagan. Um, uh, anyway, there's some more, just more minor stuff. H.W. Uh, Bush, 89 to 60, I'm sorry, 89 to 93, inherited Cold War, on, uh, going, inherited ongoing hostility with Iran, Initiated U.S. invasion invasion of Panama, uh, the Persian Gulf War to liberate Kuwait, uh, no-fly zone war in Iraq, uh, wars of uh, U.S. intervention in Somalia. Was Bush's they love war? Wars of Bill Clinton, ninety-three two thousand one, inherited the ongoing uh, hostility with Iran, U.S. intervention of Somalia. Uh, these are all ones that he inherited. Now, here's what he initiated. The U.S. invasion of Haiti, 
Guess what? The Clintons got rich off of Haiti uh, in 91. Operation Uphold Democracy and Fill the Clintons' Pockets is what that operation was. The Bosnian War of 92 to 94, uh, U.S. participated along with NATO in a war against Bosnia and the Serbs and Serbia in, in Bosnia. Uh, 98 bombing of U.S. Embassy in Kenya and Tanzania. U.S. retaliation against Al-Qaeda in Sudan, Sudan and Afghanistan. The wars of, H, uh, of George, the wars of George W. Bush, 2001-2009. He had in, inherited the ongoing hostility with Iran, uh, conflict with Al-Qaeda, but he initiated the Hanan Island incident, U.S. naval uh, dust-up with the Chinese. Uh, war in Afghanistan, uh, wars, let's see, invasion, occupation of Iraq, uh, wars of Barack Obama, 2009-2017, inherited ongoing hostility with Iran, war in Afghanistan, war in Iraq, uh, war with Al-Qaeda. He initiated the Libyan War of 2011, uh, uh, aided France in the Mali War, U.S. provided air support, logistics and other aid as France intervened to stop jihadist offensive in Mali. I guess we couldn't find a war, so we had to go help the French with their war. Uh, wars of Donald Trump. He inherited ongoing hostility with Iran. Uh, let's see. He inherited the war in Afghanistan. Oh, guess how many wars that Donald R. Trump uh, initiated and engaged in? Zero. And I want to make a point here in a minute before I close this out tonight. Uh, stick with me. I'm with uh, Biden right now. Biden, 21 to present. Uh, ongoing hostility with Iran. Uh, President Biden ordered retaliatory airstrikes on Iraqi Shiite militia. Uh, militia. Uh, let's see. Let's see. War against ISIS. Uh, in addition, ongoing war with ISIS. Uh uh, become involved with the Israeli-Hamas war. Uh, U.S. retaliatory strikes on militia targets in Syria. Uh, dozens of casualties, over 80 attacked by Iranian-backed militia forces. Uh, so we're over in Yemen, have no business in Yemen. But there we are, we get 80 of our people attacked, uh, three killed, that's just been very recently. So, lo and behold, are, are you sitting down? Lo and behold, the two guys that they have come at the strongest, uh, and they got one of them, and they're trying everything within them to get the other one. Uh, the two guys are Richard Milhouse Nixon and Donald John Trump. And, and guess what they share in common? Neither one of them ever initiated, neither one initiated a conflict during uh, their terms as president. Isn't it amazing that these two guys, the, the only two guys that never initiated uh, a conflict are the two guys that one, they took down, uh, the other one, they're doing everything within their power uh, to take down. So coincidence, I think not, not at all. Okay, so I told you that uh, I want to title this episode, The Face of the America for First uh, Movement. I also told you that I believe the, the uniting, fact, uniting factor 
for uh, the United States is the anti-war movement. You know, somewhere down the line, the Republican Party be quit becoming the party of war, and we started becoming the party of anti-war. Uh, but I want to close with what I think is the face of the America First movement, which I think the bedrock is anti-war. It, yeah, it is America First. You know, don't be fighting all over the place. You know, take care of our homeland, secure our borders for we, before we secure somebody else's borders. Take care of our economy. Take care of our infrastructure. Spend the billions upon billions of dollars we've spent on building infrastructure for other countries and build the crumbling infrastructure of our own country. But the face of that is a guy by the name of Gary Willis Sillman. Gary Willis Sillman was born in 1949 in a little town called West Monroe, Louisiana. And um, Gary had three brothers. And, and uh, Gary was uh, 18 when he joined up. He actually was drafted in, in uh, 1967. And he was drafted by the U.S. Army, I mean by the, by the government and entered the U.S. Army and rose to the uh, 101st uh, Airborne. And he was, um, rose to the rank of corporal. And on June the, September, February the 2nd, 1960, uh, Gary was killed in action. Now, three weeks before that, I'm in a Sunday school class at the First Pentecostal Church of West Monroe, Louisiana. And we're putting, I remember this as well, I'm eight years old. Our Sunday school class is putting together shoe, a shoe box, or actually shoe boxes. And I remember even some of the items. I remember we put socks, we put candy, but I, for some reason I remember this, we put strawberry cool, packets of Kool-Aid. And these were things that the soldiers uh, wanted. And we, we put boxes together, shoe boxes, and packed them full of stuff and then wrote little notes in them, all the kids. And uh, Gary had been writing back and forth. Gary's mother and brothers went to our church. Gary's mom was a good friend of ours, of my mom's. And uh, so, you know, all of us kids in... I remember on a Wednesday night, we're in church. We didn't have like kids church or anything on Wednesday night back in the day. And uh, I, can't, I can't remember exactly how it was, you know, how it went down. But I remember the pastor getting up and asking that we could pray for uh, the Silman family that Gary had been killed in action. And I remember, I guess it was a Thursday night, uh, and I don't remember exactly, but I don't remember if it was a few weeks or what it was, but I remember my family, my mom and dad, it was just me and my brother at the time, I had two other siblings that were born later. They were born quite later in life. And it was just me and my brother, and we're outside. We took our baseball gloves and our baseballs everywhere and 
if it was baseball season, play pitch, and we're out on the parking lot of Kilpatrick's funeral home on North 7th Street in West Monroe. But we took a minute, we went in, and there was the casket, and there was a picture of Gary. And I remember Gary, you know, uh, being a guy in the youth group. He was older and was kind of a quiet guy, real slim, uh, just good kid. His, his whole family was good, just good people. And, uh, man, I, I was thinking, I, I don't think this is Gary because... We just sent Gary Kool-Aid. We just sent him socks. We sent him and his buddies. You know, we sent, I don't know how many, six or eight shoe boxes. And, you know, I packed a box, me and my friends, at my table, you know, with Kool-Aid and socks. And, you know, that couldn't be Gary because we, pa we packed him a box, but it was Gary. And Gary, on June the 4th of this year, would be 75 years of age, but he's been gone since he was 20. He was, he was 20 years and four months old and died in a jungle in Vietnam. For what? And it's not to say, that's no, that's no slam on Gary's memory. He's, he's a hero to me. But why were we there? What were we doing? And here's, here's something I say about war. I said, you know, and, and I want to tell you one, that was probably the pivotal moment for me, but, but it took years for it to cement. But I've never forgotten Gary Silman, ever. Uh, I've never forgotten seeing his mom and dad just, you know, a wreck. And, and his brothers, you know, a wreck. And they're all just, weeping and, and, you know, and there's that flag draped coffin and there's two soldiers standing there, uh, you know, so, I don't know, so impressive and just on a little eight-year-old kid. And I remember how packed that funeral home was. It was just so full, you know. And... Uh, and the thing I think about is, you know, yeah, he's a hero, but who sent him there? Why was he really there? Oh, we can hear about Vietnam and this and that, but behind in the smoke-filled rooms, in the in in the corridors of War Inc., why was Gary Silman really there? Not just Gary Silman, but all the moms and dads that died with a broken heart. Those right now that are sitting there looking at a photograph and remember those that will sit around uh, and, and celebrate a birthday at the cemetery, those that will uh, have a huge hole in their heart at Christmas and Valentine and any other holiday. And it's like, you know, why? What, what's the purpose? Uh, and I'm not, I'm not here to say that wars never uh, necessary. I, I don't know what sh I don't know what that would be if it were not on our own uh, soil. But I'm 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 not here. I don't even feel that way. That it's it's never necessary, and it you know never should happen. 
but it should happen a whole, whole lot less than it does. And I'm going to tell you, I think the, gar- the cardinal rule for war is this. If it's important enough for my three sons to go die, uh, then, then it's worth fighting. If, it's not, if I'm not willing to send my three sons to fight in it, or better yet, if I'm not willing to go and fight in it myself, why are we fighting it? If it's not important enough for me to go or for my three sons to go if I were president, then it's not, it's not important enough to send your kids. And that, that needs to be the filter that we run this through. And so America First actually is, uh, I, I think it's, it's quite uh, heroic. I think America First is, uh, has much, cont- or much uh, valor associated with it. I think that America First is quite noble. And the reason I believe it's quite noble is because we're securing our border. We're taking care of our people. We're providing for our infrastructure. We're, we're, we're taking care of our veterans. We're taking care of our uh, people that cannot help themselves. I'm not talking about people that won't work. I'm talking about people who can't work. Um, but most of all, not another Eloise Silman has to weep until she dies of a broken heart over her son like Eloise did Gary. Not another one, ha- and not another one has to do that. And if that's all America First ever did, it would be the greatest movement that ever existed on the face of the earth. And for all the stuff that they say about uh, Donald Trump and all the horrible things they call him and all the horrible things he's up to and all the horrible motivations and on and on and on and the terrible, you know, just wicked guy that Richard Milhouse Nixon was. Tell you what those two guys never did. They never sent another man or woman's son or daughter to a farm field and then die alone, wondering where their parents were, wondering where their family was, where their husband and wife was. They, they never were guilty of that. And that makes them both probably the to- two most noble presidents that existed. It's amazing how we, we measure the success of a president. It's amazing we, we believe the narrative. I, I couldn't believe my eyes that. And I've heard that about Trump, that, you know, our President Trump. That, and I knew that, you know, innately that he hadn't started any wars. But when I saw it juxtaposed against every single one of them since 1933, and then it stuck out to me like a sore thumb that Richard Nixon, who was impeached, who actually resigned before he was actually impeached. He was not impeached, contrary to a lot of popular opinion. But he resigned before he was actually removed from office. I think he did go through impeachment, but was not removed from office. He resigned. And then Donald Trump, who is, is the most persecuted president in our history, bar none. Probably Abraham Lincoln, maybe. 
uh, with with his death. But I'm telling you, short of being assassinated and John F. Kennedy, obviously. Um, so America first. Yeah, immigration is important. Yeah, the economy is important. Sealing our border, yes. But the, but the the face and the strength and the most noble aspect of America First is the anti-war, no more war movement. War is a very, very, very last resort. And the face of that is a corporal from West Monroe, Louisiana, a corporal of the U.S. Army who gave his life at the age of 20 years in four months, Gary Willis Sillman, the face of the America First movement. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know this has been a little bit different tonight. Thank you again. Thank you to, to Red River Auto, uh, redriverauto.com, mypillow.com. Don't forget to use that promo code RED. Until next time, this is Donnie Copeland saying so long, take care, God bless. Listening to the Red Pill Plus podcast. Sports Plus news done right. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. In the meantime, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at Red Pill Plus, and check the website at docwashburn.com/redpill. <laughs>